If you look at water and you look at that cup, if that stuff that's inside there is sin and the water is pouring in there, over time, the more water you pour in there, the more the impurities come out. This is a fundamental revelation, I believe, of what it means to be spirit-filled, spirit-led. Say spirit-filled, spirit-led. And what I want to show you is, is that it's not about behavior modification first. In essence, I need to get rid of all my pigginess so that I can become a Christian. What it's about is understanding and leaning upon the grace of Jesus filled with his spirit that cleanses you and helps you become a powerful, say powerful, powerful person in the things of God. The idea is to get victory. The question is, how do we get there? And what you're going to see in this series is the fruits of the Spirit. We're going to talk about all of them. But today, I just wanted to talk about the internal war. Uh, The rest of the series, we're going to talk about uh, love and how it never fails. We're going to talk about joy and peace and all of the fruits. But I want to start with the master text, and that is out of Galatians 5. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that. Otherwise, you can follow along on our screen. Galatians 5 starting with verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness. I was really big on that one. Revelries and the like. That pretty much covers it, don't you think? There's a lot of sins there, but that's not even the half of... Do you realize that There's sins we commit every day we don't even realize we commit every day. Not only are there sins of commission, but there's sins of omission. I forgot to do the thing that God asked me to do. And we become so conscious of all of our faults. It's called sin consciousness. That we put our focus on the problem and on the bubbles and the little things inside the glass that we forget about the Spirit of God. And if we put our focus on the Spirit of God, then all that sin consciousness stuff bubbles away. Ask me how I know. I've been addicted to everything under the sun. I stand up here as a preacher. I didn't get sober because I had great willpower. Been there, done that. I got sober because Jesus Christ became Lord of my life, Lord of my decisions. I made a decision that I can't, he can, and I'm going to let him. Do you realize how, if you got that one revelation, I could end the sermon with that. God can, I can't, I think I'll let him. That's the decision you have to make in operating in the spirit. So as we move on, it says, of which, still in Galatians, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice, say practice, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I will have to tell you that verse terrified me, terrified me, terrified me for years because I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And then I read in Romans 7, the apostle Paul says, I do what I don't want to do, my flesh. I I, I don't want to do what I do and I do what I don't want to do. Oh, wretched man am I. This is the apostle Paul who penned most of the New Testament. And he's talking about his battle, the internal war of the flesh. And I want to say this, I want to keep this message simple. I want it simple because I believe that simply put, this message can change your Christian walk. You're going to see three examples at the end of this message, three types of people who I would call Christians 
not people that don't know God, people that do know God, who don't know their rights in Christ and who they are in Christ. And so I want you to be able to see that at the end of the message. But the, the word for practice in that, that scripture is prosso. It means to habitually perform these. So what I want you to picture is a Christian who is so in bondage to one or many of these things, they don't know how to get out. Imagine being trapped in a cage and you see a steak and you're hungry and it's on the other side and no matter what you do, you can't get out. Or the person who is in bondage and shackles like this and somebody's spoon feeding them dinner when they could be free and the shackles off. And this is so many of us. We, we allow the shackles to come on because we don't let the spirit of God pour water into our bodies and cleanse us and purify us. Does this make sense? So these works of the flesh, it's talking about sin domination in so many areas. I mean, if I were to pull each of you, I guarantee you there's an area that your flesh is weak because doesn't the word say where the spirit is strong, the flesh is weak? So this constant tension, this constant tension, how do we live by the spirit and not by the flesh? How do I do that? We need to identify that the real problem, as I began to study this, everybody says, well, sin's the problem, sin's the problem. Well, that's being sin conscious. What the problem is, is it's about lordship. Lordship takes care of the sin problem when Jesus is Lord. You getting this? So when Jesus is Lord in that situation and you bring the Lord into that situation, all of a sudden you're not focused on behavior modification and secular psychology and getting fixed. You're focused on the one who can fix you. This is a paradigm shift. And you're saying, well, Ryan, that sounds good. That preaches good. That sounds real spiritual. But when I'm getting a craving for my 50th Dunkin' Donut... And it's like crack cocaine, ask me how I know. Looking at those donuts and they're crying out to me, they're screaming at me saying, eat me, eat me. I can't have one, I need 50. I do like fruit. I've had to change my thought about fruit. And the reason I showed you that fruit illustration, healthy fruit and the banana that was rotten, the reason I showed that to you, the funny thing about fruit is fruit is in the existence. It's not for the person, not for the fruit to eat itself. The fruit is for the benefit of others. So it'd be fair to say if we need to bear fruit, is the fruit for us to consume or for others to consume? Jesus said bear fruit. So what I'm trying to get you to see is is that if you cultivate the fruit of love, it's for others to partake. They need to feed on your joy. They need to feed on your love. They need to feed on your peace. They need to feed on your kindness. They need to feed on your gentleness. Are you getting this? The fruit is for the benefit of others. But who cultivates the fruit? You or the Lord? Paradigm shift. Paradigm shift. Counterfeit fruit is like that banana. And the funny thing about fruit, if it's not consumed at the right time, what does it become? Ripe and rotten. Back in the AA days, it was you're either green and growing or you're ripe and rotten. But the fruit needs to be consumed when it's healthy and, and, and I don't know how you ate that. I don't know how. That was just gross. And I... Now, can I use you just as a practical example here, though, too? And I'm not beating up you. I'm not pounding on you or anything like that. 
Yeah, I'm not pounding on you. But <laughs> another 10 bucks will give him a really... <laughs> Inflation, right? <laughs> but so many of us like that, and God bless you, man. But eating fruit that's like that. We eat the counterfeit when we can have the real thing. We could have the real thing. So let's talk about the fruit. That just made me want to hurl. Oh. Dude, you did? Oh. Yeah, I went to Life Church and they made people puke, and my pastor made me puke. His message was terrible. Galatians 5.22. Let's get to the fruit of the Spirit, please. But the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22 in the Amplified, but the fruit of the Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper or forbearance, kindness, goodness, also known as benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness and humility, self-control, self-restraint, incontinence, and against such things there is no law that can bring a charge. Now, here's the thing. We were talking about people that you can admire that don't know Christ, that have this unbelievable peace, and you sit there and go, oh, they look so peaceful. They do to the natural eye. But because they don't have soul, their soul may look on the external peaceful. But if you don't know where your eternal destination is, you can't have true supernatural peace. End of story. Because at some point, your decisions will be driven not by eternity and where you're going to be, but it'll be driven by the here and the now. Why do I know that? Because flesh wants to protect itself in the here and now. The flesh is carnal. The flesh wants what it wants, when it wants, at the expense of anything to gratify it. Long term, our decisions, when you be led by the Spirit, there's an immediate leading that He'll take you in, but you're also, the peace that comes from Him is knowing that one day when I kick the bucket, I'm in the presence of the Almighty. You can't buy that piece. It can't be sold. So, well, what about benevolent people? I would challenge that the person who doesn't know the true lordship of Jesus always, at some point, if you follow it through, no matter how good, no matter how kind they look, if you follow it all the way through, there's an emotive behind it because it's all about the here and the now. It's, I do this, somebody likes me, they invest in my business. Are you guys getting this? It's more immediate, and I'm trying to get you to put your eyes on the things that are of eternal value. And we do that through supernatural fruit. And that fruit that we cultivate has to be cultivated. It doesn't just happen overnight. There's fruit that needs to be... And part of this series is before we even get into the fruit, the Lord told me, lay the foundation. Show them the, inter the internal war. Root out some of the, the mental strongholds that are keeping my people in bondage and then release to them the grace that they have in Christ. So... That's what I want to get to today. Imagine this. I used to love those cartoons, and there, I forget which one. Maybe it was, oh, I don't know if it was Bugs Bunny or the Roadrunner, but I remember this one. It was vivid. This big dam, okay? This big dam, and, and you could see this guy. There would like be a hole in the dam, and this guy would put his finger in the hole in the dam, and then another leak would come, and he'd be like this, and another leak would come, and he'd be like this, and another leak, he'd be like this, and all of a sudden, he's trying to, trying to ward off all the holes in the dam, and, and you could see the look in the... Maybe it was, uh, I don't know if it was Wiley Coyote or somebody, but, and you could see the eyes just get big as the more the leaks spring. And, I, and at some point, if you don't repair the dam, what's going to happen? 
It's going to explode, right? Well, it did. And the picture is this person trying to put out all these little holes, okay? And I thought, wow, what a perfect illustration for what we try to do through behavior modification of our flesh. And one day that dam is going to go... And what we really need to do is have Jesus build us a new dam. What we really need to do is have Jesus come in and say, uh, you don't have enough hands for that, but since I created the universe, let me take that for you. I'll take that problem for you. I'll take your issue for you. I'll take that donut problem for you. All you have to do is give it to me. Kibby, it's not that simple. You don't understand. No, I understand addiction. I understand strongholds. My life is the entire embodiment of addictions and strongholds. So I understand. Jesus understands. See, what's taught, and I think even to some extent, I could probably be guilty of this. We come in, here's a Sunday sermon. This week, we're going to touch on how to become more peaceful. And the, the underlying message is behavior modification. What I'm trying to tell you is that the only way to modify our behavior is through the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's understanding who we are in Christ. How do we get there? How do we get there? 2 Corinthians 5 says this. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, he made Christ virtually to be sin who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God. That we might become the righteousness of God. What we ought to be, approved, acceptable, and in right relationship with him by Whose goodness? His goodness. His goodness. And you see, all right, I'm just going to lay it on the line. When, when I was younger, I always felt like I had to get my act together to come to church so that everyone would accept me. So by my goodness, then I'd be a part of the Rotary Club or otherwise known as the church, and I would fit in and everyone would like me, and no one would see that I was hemorrhaging inside. And then I found, I found out that, boy, you start talking to other people and Gosh, you deal with that too? Oh, yeah. Well, come to find out, nobody's perfect. I know this is revelation. We want grace, but we refuse to give others grace. And worse, we don't understand how much Jesus hurts when we crucify his other kids he died on the cross for do you realize that each one of us are as piggy as all get out in some area behavior modification ends at the cross take it to the cross you know i i'm not i'm trying to keep this as simple as i can because you say well ryan that's good, but when I need my fix or I need my this or I, I have my problem or the, the, the buzzard starts circling over my mind and, and I don't know how to think it through, at that moment, you take it to the cross. And you say, Lord, I am struggling. Sin is a terrible thing. Sin does... By the way, can we call sin, sin today? I mean, I, I work on my issues, but if my issue is robbing a bank, do you think I still have sin? Hello. Sin, sin, folks. But grace is grace, and grace where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And so we need grace. So for our sake, he made Christ to become sin. So if God needs to be, and this is how I used to, to hear it, 
sinners in the hands of an angry God. If God is angry at me, then what am I going to do about that? Because I know that I can't meet his standards because we have this thing called the law and I break the law and I break it. The more I focus on the law, the more law I break. And oh, wretched man that I am. Has anybody struggled with this? How did I change? I went to AA for five years, folks, was dry for five years. And I love AA, love it. A lot of things I like about it. But if you don't apply the blood of Jesus to that program, it's just a program. And it will not deal with the real issue, which is sin consciousness. Well, I believe in a higher power, brother. I do too. But there's nothing that the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus needs to be in everything. When I say apply the blood of Jesus, he became sin for us so that we might become, did we not just read the righteousness of God? Well, when I was in AA, I was always putting out this fire, this fire. I'd call my sponsor. Hey, you know, fix me here. I don't know. And, you know, the worst part was the sponsor that I had didn't know Christ from a hole in the wall. And he was worse than me. I wound up counseling him. Now, I'm not knocking AA. There's many people. I, I, I believe in AA. I want, but, and I'm not here to harp on that. What I'm here to say is, is that behavior modification, I was worse, folks, five years into it because I didn't have a relationship with Christ. And notice I said relationship. I did not have a relationship with Christ for five years. I got worse to the point where it was worse in my brain being dry, dry than it was when I was drinking. So something had to change. Something had to change. I had to understand who this God was, that he paid the price for my sin. The truth gets twisted from the pulpits when we constantly preach behavior modification. We're, we're, we're pe- putting people to secular psychology. Psychology is great, folks, but without the blood, it's just humanistic, vain. You getting this? There's power in the scriptures. You know, I'm a big fan of, we have great programs like Life Skills, that'll tell you that behind every faulty behavior, behind every single sin that we commit is a lie that we believe. That's true. But as an alcoholic, I was aware of the problem. I came to admit that I had one. True. But I didn't have the power to fix it. Are you getting this? So then something had to happen. And here's the the thing. I got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm miserable with my, my buddies that are in the bars. I can't go to the bars. I can't go to, a, I, I can't go to church because they're all hypocrites. Where do I go? And what do I do? When I got revelation of that and how miserable I was, I had an idea that, you know what, maybe I'll give this church thing one more try. And when I did and I opened myself up to Jesus Christ, everything changed. Behaviors I had done for years began to just drop off one by one. Remember, the, remember the, the picture of the glass with the water coming in? You notice that it took a process to get some of that stuff out? Say process. Now say I'm a work in process. Now I'm a work in progress. So do you need grace while you're working out your issues? Okay, so give other people grace too. So what you're saying is you want to give me, I need grace and I need time to work out my issues, but you, you can't, you have to get it done now. Fix yourself. Come on. What's your problem? 
quiet. You're going to see, so you're gonna, I'm going to tell you, the Lord showed me these three types of uh, characters. I was actually, it was Wednesday, I was just working on this message, and the Lord just downloaded three fictitious figures that I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read to you their story. I didn't get it from anywhere. I didn't get it off the internet other than the photos. But the Lord was just saying, tell three fictitious stories, three types of people. And I'm going to get to that in a second at the close of the message. But it just showed me where we're at. We want grace. And here was the big revelation. My people are in total sin consciousness. Not talking the unbeliever, folks. I'm talking the Christ follower. In sin consciousness. So fixated on sin, we don't know how to come to the throne properly. Is this resonating with anybody today? It says boldly come, to, but what does sin do? It brings condemnation. Listen to this. If we focus on our sin, we make sin the focal point and not Jesus. If we bring Jesus into it, we make him our focus and the sin loses its power. Here's another example. Chuck E. Cheese. Anybody been to Chuck E. Cheese? All right. There's this game here called Whack-A-Mole. You guys know what I'm talking about? And they got these little things here, and you get this little mallet, and you just kind of, it's like this, and picture this as a mole, and they just keep popping up like this, right? And then the more you play it, my kids love it, the more you play it, you're just like, oh, here's one, and here's another one, and next thing you know, you're going, and all of a sudden, they're all coming out at the same time, and you can't keep up. And I thought, man, what a perfect illustration for us with all of our issues that just tend to pop up here and pop up here. And all of a sudden, meanwhile, Jesus is sitting here right there looking at that and saying, I got a huge mallet and I'll just whack all your moles. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Jesus wants to whack our moles. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Self-help is good, but really... I don't even like the term self-help because it implies that self can fix help. Self can help yourself. And self can't. Self wants to go to the flesh. Self is, is selfish. Self is me-centered. Self is gratify the flesh. It's really, we need to be God-helped. And so the point of this message, whether you know Christ or don't know Christ... This message is for you because you can have power and victory in areas. In any area, sin is sin. But when we talk about the person that is habitually, I'm talking about the person that is habitually, they have no desire to go to the throne of grace. And if that person is you, you're in sin condemnation. You're in condemnation. You're in sin consciousness. What I'm saying is let's get you out of that. And that's what grace is. This is good news. Amen. So the law shows me what God requires. It says in 1 Corinthians, the strength of sin is the law. Now, many Christians will read a verse out of the Old Testament or the New Testament, and they'll say, okay, that's me, that describes me. Uh, I'm into this, and I need to quit this. And so the the plan of attack is, I'm just not going to tell anybody, and I'm going to go to God. The Bible says... We're to confess our sins to God. But doesn't it also say to confess our sins one to another? Does it not say that? Now, the strength of sin is the law, okay? Law brings condemnation. 
And what God wants us to do is, here, picture this picture. If you want to get rid of that shadow part of your life, you need to confess it to God and you need to tell someone else. Then sin loses its power. The grace of Jesus comes flooding in like the Holy Spirit and flushes that impurity right out. The first step is admitting you have a problem. The second step is coming to believe that Jesus Christ can and you can't. And the third step is let him. Simple. 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 But Ryan, it's, that's hard. The decision is the hard part. And leaning on grace. Leaning on grace. See, because the Bible, the Apostle Paul wrote, guys, is that we have this book of rules that none of us can possibly keep, and we view it as the law. People preach this as the law. What they don't understand is it's a love letter. The law was to show and reflect where we need help, to show us our need for God. And then once we look at the law and we see, oh my gosh, I need a savior. The reason the world doesn't listen to this book is because they don't see their need for a savior. And the problem is we're not operating in the fruit that would make it attractive for them to eat. We're, we're offering them ripe apples and we're giving them rotten bananas. Am I preaching too tough? I have a friend of mine here in the church who says, you don't preach hard enough. You're way too soft on them. No. Do you understand I just care for you guys? Seriously, do you get this? I want you to get this. This is awesome. When I understand that the grace of Jesus can come in in any situation and change your equation, you let him. And instead of looking at Every day, okay, I've got this problem, i got this problem. What you set your mind on, you know what? Let's go to the scripture. I want to read the scripture. Romans 8. Let's go to Romans 8. I, want the, I think the Lord wants me to go there. Romans 8. Therefore, there is now, say now, no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation, no judging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus. Notice it says in Christ Jesus. So what happens if you're not in Christ Jesus? You're in condemnation. Who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has freed me from the law of sin and death. I can imagine, imagine someone, did you ever see the man in the iron mask? Here's this person was a king locked up in chains for years and didn't even know it. Do you realize that's where many Christians are today? Do you know that you're an heir with Christ? Do you know that God has prepared a mansion for you in heaven? But not only that, he's asked you to rule and reign with him and that you have divine privileges for you. But our enemy, like that guy in the movie, has put blinders over us and told us, well, it's not spiritual to say that, you know what, Pastor Ryan, it's not spiritual to say that, that blessings should come our way in the here and now. That's only for the sweet by and by. And I say, hooey. And you know what the Bible says? Hooey. God wants you to win. Amen? He wants you to be a blessing in the here and the now. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be the head and not the tail. He wants you to be free of condemnation. And the reason we're in bondage in some of these areas is because we're in condemnation. And you don't have to be. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. Huge difference. Romans 8, and here's why. Romans 8, 5 says this. For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires, 
set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. I want to camp on that. They set their minds on. So what they're thinking about all the time, they're not thinking about God. They're thinking about, and I'm talking to the Christians. Are you hearing this? You're setting your mind on the problems, my ex-wife, my drug addiction, everything else, my bankroll, my 401k, everything else but the king. You say, well, Ryan, that just sounds so simple. Yeah. Do you realize that God created the heavens and the earth? He says he's no respecter of persons and what he'll do for one, he'll do for others, he'll do for you. He will do that if you come to him and you let him operate in his grace. But many of us are operating in condemnation because we don't go to God when we have issues. We run from him. And he's saying, run back to me because I love you and I died for you. So when we set our minds on those things which gratify the flesh, then let's move on in the verse. But those who are according to the spirit are controlled by the desires of the spirit, set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the spirit. So when you're struggling, Jesus, I have a problem. Hope, I have a problem. Now see, what my flesh would want to do is if I took an inappropriate glance at a woman at the YMCA, I would not want to go home and tell her that. Has anybody ever done anything similar to that? Hello? Men? Hello? Pastor Ryan, I expected more of you. You want the truth? As a pastor, in the last two years, I have had, have I not, come to you and said, you know what, Hope? I took that first glance, and I took a second glance. And I just needed to tell you about that. And fear said, don't tell her because she's going to cry. Well, she did cry, and you know what it did? It draw us closer together. I repented before God, and we moved on, and I was not in condemnation. That, folks, is where the rubber meets the road. But I'm telling you, if you discount what the Holy Spirit is doing in you and he says, no, don't do that. Do you understand that behind every bad behavior you have is a lie you believe? And that lie is to say, don't tell anybody. They'll think less of you. The truth is, here's the truth. You might face temporary pain by being honest with you and your God. But like a beautiful thing where, uh, like so if you're in a, in a hospital and they, they put stuff on the wound, when it cleanses, it heals and you're free. Honesty with God is paramount to operating in the grace of God and cultivating the fruit that he wants in your life. I'm not by nature a patient person. God is developing that in me. I'm not by my nature a loving person. God is developing that in me. Now, I I will tell you, you will hear voice after voice tell you Don't go to God on that. Don't go to another person on that because it might affect you. Are you willing to pay the price to be healed? Sometimes having to do the right thing is going to your boss. You notice something that is illegal. You go to your boss. You say, hey, this isn't right. It may cost you your job, but you did the right thing. And then you're trusting on God to get you through it. But you see how the shadow keeps us? You see how the shadow keeps us in bondage? I'm going to tell you. The more condemnation that you heap on yourself, the more bad behavior happens. And what I'm trying to say is, is that you can't fix your bad behaviors. 
on your own. It is making Jesus your Lord. See, it's one thing to say, yes, Jesus on Sunday, but is he your Lord on Monday? And that's where every person, even the Apostle Paul, has this internal struggle that I keep harping on. I want to show you three types of Christians as I close. Three types of Christians. And, I, and I'm, I'm qualifying this. I want to put the first type of person. I qualify this because their heart, two of them, are, their hearts are not right. First one I want to put up, can we put the photo of, his name is Legalist Lonnie. Can we put up Legalist Lonnie? He's my little fictitious character. Legalist, see his, see his eyes? Kind of beady. Fear God. Let me read you this little thing that God gave me. Our friend Lonnie grew up in church and around the church, but the church never grew in him. He's heard the message of grace of Jesus for 30 plus years, but church isn't fun for him. It's a duty. It's an obligation. Service is part of the deal. Not because he wants to, it's because he has to, and he has to look good. The phrase turn or burn tortures him daily. He's obsessed with sin. He's sin conscious about everything in himself and others. He wakes up every day wondering how he can make God love him. He fears God, and he wants to make sure that everyone else does too. Lonnie's very good at telling others what they do wrong. He's also very good at overlooking his own faults. If a movie, a song, an organization, a town, a church has even a hint of imperfection or sin, he's determined to forge a war against it. Lonnie isolates himself from sinners, can't stand to be around them. Lonnie's constantly worried about his finances, his family, his status before God. Why does he always feel condemned? Lonnie looks great on the outside, but on the inside, he's a tornado. Those hidden sins that nobody must know, the illicit glances at unscrupulous women, the myriad of grudges he holds against everyone who doesn't see life the same way he does. Five prayer meetings a week, tithing out of fear, not grace, praying because he's commanded to. After all, faith without works is dead. But why does he hate his faith so much? Why does he hate himself so much? A tear from heaven falls as his heavenly father grieves at a child so lost whom he loves so much. A lot of people are like legalistic Lonnie who loathe themselves so much because they don't know how much Jesus loves them. The love of Jesus will change your life. Perfect love died on a cross to take away your sins that you committed last week, last year, right now, and the ones that you're about to commit. Are you getting this? Legalistic Lonnie does not know how to give grace to others because legalistic Lonnie never received grace. Then there's license to sin Lulu. License to sin Lulu. Lulu comes to church... She likes the grace message, likes the idea of a loving God that delivers us from the penalty of sin and hell. She even said the sinner's prayer once. But the truth is, Lulu really has no interest in making lifestyle changes or taking it to Jesus. Pastor Ryan seems nice, not a bad little preacher. I threw that one in there. Maybe she'll come back. Church is nice, but you know, not real necessary. Lulu attends church about once a month or two or whenever there's a personal crisis. 
She hits the bars about once a week and makes a lot of so-called friends that, yeah, she gets drunk, but she never drives drunk. After all, she's a good law-abiding citizen. Sure, she smokes, but she's young, plenty of time to kick the habit. Besides, it's cool, and that's what counts, right? Lulu loves her boyfriend, and she's sure that he loves her too. But recently, their relationship hit a snag. He wants more sex. She wants to connect more emotionally. She wants marriage. Something's nagging at her, but she can't quite shake it. Something internal screams, this is not right. But after all, love is complicated, right? Her therapist tells her she's searching to fill the hole that's in her heart because daddy never showed her any attention. So she battles depression. But her friends, who all have wrecked relationships too, tell her, just get another guy and you'll be fixed. No mention of Jesus. Lulu dumps her boyfriend and goes on a dating rampage. But still, there's a hole in her heart that cannot be filled. Years go by, and the hole gets larger. As the boyfriends drop, so does the church attendance. The sin that she once flirted with now dominates her, and she doesn't even care. She no longer feels used. She feels abused or guilty. She just, she no longer feels. And the travesty of it all, she doesn't know it doesn't have to be this way. A tear from heaven falls as her heavenly father grieves at a child so lost whom he loves so much. My heart aches for that person. It's why we do what we do. It's why I lift up the name of Jesus. I don't have all the answers, but I try to point someone who does. We all know people. In fact, I've been Lulu. And I've been legalistic Lonnie. Here's the third person. Her name is Grace, Empowered Grace. Lulu and Lonnie both know Grace, but they don't understand Grace. She's an enigma to them. Grace is different. She acts different, talks different. It's because something is different. Grace is comfortable with who she is. She knows where she's come from. She doesn't like, Lonnie doesn't like Grace, though, because Grace has a checkered past. Grace put the fun in dysfunction. Grace had her struggles with sin, too, but she's free to talk about it. Grace is at ease with sinners, drives Lonnie nuts. Grace relates well to Lulu because she was Lulu. But Lulu doesn't recognize the grace that's in Grace. Grace believes someday that Lulu will. Grace talks to God in freedom. It's not a chore. It's an honor and a privilege. God has delivered Grace out of a multitude of sins, but it was a process. It wasn't overnight. Grace was willing to look at her issues honestly as the Lord pointed to them in love, not condemnation. Grace saw that for every faulty sin she committed was a lie that she believed. Grace sees Jesus as truth, the Son of God. She knows that truth, and the truth set her free. A tear from heaven falls as her heavenly Father rejoices at a child whom he loves so much. Isn't grace beautiful? That is what we need to tell a lost and dying world. The picture of love, grace. Compassion, grace. Freedom, grace. I'm not selling you a book of rules. I'm not selling you a relationship. I'm not selling you uh, a membership to a church. This isn't a rotary club. This is all about you and your relationship with him.